we're in a series called Mentally Messed Up. That's for anybody that doesn't believe that mental illness is real. I'm telling you, as my grandfather would say, them boys ain't right. Them boys ain't right. But the reality is, none of us is right, are we? In our heads and in our minds. This is why we launched a series called Mentally Messed Up. Because none of us have things quite right up here. And this series has been, I mean, first of all, if you're a guest, if this is your first time here, welcome home. We're super excited that you're here. And uh, the series, it's a, it's a five-week series, and this is the, the, the pinnacle of the series, the, f- the fifth week. And I'm so excited about what God has in store today. But, but we struggle we, we, we just admit that we're not okay, that we, that we have depression in the world. There's anxiety. There's overwhelmed. I don't even have to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever been overwhelmed in your life. I mean, like, which day, right? Every day, there's something going on. I remember one time I had the day off, and my wife Jody was working. And so I'm wanting to relax for the day, of course. And Jody says, as she's walking out, she's like, hey, just, you know, pick up the house while I'm gone. Well, you know what, you know what pick up the house means? Like, clean the entire house. That's overwhelmed. And I thought to myself, I can't do that. That's impossible. It's not physically possible. So I did what, I, you know, I did the right thing. I did laundry. I said, I'm going to knock out one thing and knock it out very well. So I knocked out low, six loads of laundry, I think, all day. Washer to dryer, washer to dryer, washer to dryer. I'm like, I am making headway. So I, I do this amazing stuff, just being, being husband of the year, right, Jode? And she comes home, and she's looking around. She goes, and I hate when, I, I hate when she says this. So, so what'd you do today? I'm like, Jody, what did I, what did, what did I do today? Like, I know you can't see it here or there over there, but if you were to go upstairs, you would see the laundry room spick and span, six loads of laundry done, been working all day, doing all these hard things. And uh, she's like, so you've been doing laundry all day? Then I said, yes. She says, so you got all the clothes put away? I cannot believe you would ask me that question. Do I have the clothes put away? Jody, I've been doing laundry all day. I told you that. And I, 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 so I was kind of offended by that question. I, uh, because she doesn't understand. You don't understand how laundry is supposed to be done. It's, it's the washing machine takes what? 45 minutes? Right? The dryer, that takes another hour. But where I'm from, putting it away takes seven to 10 working days. So I'm like, Jody, you know what? Get back to me like in a week and we'll talk about it. And like, put them away. Come on, what, the kids want something to do. So um, mental illness, let, let, let's, let's be straight up. Mental illness is real. And it, the research I've done in this series has shown me that it isn't getting better. Thank God we're, we're, we're eliminating the stigma. And I think culture is getting better about that, but we'll never stop talking about it in this church. Because in the world, it's not getting better. And we're all impacted. You all hear stories. You all read stories. I'm not just talking about celebrities or well-known figures that have taken their life, though we see that all the time. I'm talking about people in your circle that you know that struggle. I'm talking about people in your homes that you know that struggle. Spouses that you're married to, kids that you're raising. I'm talking about the person that you look at every day in the mirror that you know struggles every day. This is why we launched the series. This is why we talk about it. And this is why we will continually say that there is hope. But even as I say that, I, I'm convinced that some of you don't believe it. Because I, I can hear myself say that some days, and I don't believe it. Because we've tried everything, right? I've tried medication after medication after medication. I've tried the therapies. I've tried the treatments. I've done all these things, and I'm still struggling. Well, this is exactly why we're talking about what we're talking about today. Because what if, and we started this theme last week. If you're here last week, you'll kind of know where this is going. What if there's something that we haven't looked at that is almost the biggest root cause of what's going on? 
What if there's something bigger? What if we've been deceived? What if we've been deceived in thinking all those things should be working and they're not working, so I've done all I can do, I can just throw my hands up in the air? See, there's somebody that wants you to believe that. See, we're in a battle, fighting my battles. We are in a battle. And I'm, I'll, I'll set the tone for today with Ephesians 6.12. One scripture, one verse right now. You're going to get a lot of them. God says we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're not fighting against the things that you can necessarily see or, or touch or feel. We're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of an unseen world. Against mighty powers in a dark world. Against evil spirits in heavenly places. We are in a spiritual battle. This is real. Like the devil, the deceiver is real. The Bible says that he is a father of lies. And he wants nothing more for you to believe that. I mean, spiritual warfare, are you kidding me? Demonic attacks? I mean, come on. Come on. Maybe for the person that's locked up on some, in some asylum. Maybe for somebody that's in a padded room. You know, when we think that, what do we think of the movies? Right? The girl levitating above the bed. Her head is spinning around like this. She's projectile vomiting pea soup. I'm sorry. The Exorcist ruined it for me. That, that show, I've never been the same since I've watched that. But, uh, but, but that's what we think. We think, well, that's, that kind of, that's kind of supernatural, weird stuff, but that doesn't happen to us. I'm telling you, there are, there are people walking around. There are Christians walking around every day. And what they're thinking is, why do I feel this way? Why am I always depressed? Why am I anxious? Why am I, why am I fighting this battle in my head and I'm losing? Why can't I figure out what's going on, on with me? Maybe because you've been deceived in believing that the, the culprit is somewhere out here when the culprit is really in and around us that we can't see. That's what, that's what the devil doesn't want you to know. So spiritual attacks are real. But while I tell you that, I also got to always give a disclaimer and say not everything you're facing is a spiritual battle. I say that because there's always the person that's like, oh my gosh, I'm just getting attacked. I ran out of gas three times this month. Oh my, the devil's attacking me. No, no. You've driven with your car buried on E for three days in a row. That's not a demon. You're just dumb. Okay, I don't know how to say it. We just got to call it out. Okay, there's a difference. But, but I'm telling you, in this series, we're finding out that it's physical. It's relational. It's circumstantial. It's historical. It's emotional. But in and of itself, it's, it's spiritual. And, if we, and the devil wants you to think it's everything else except that. Well, today we're going to fight our battles. We're going after the enemy. And we're, I'm, going to, I'm going to show you what God says about this because it's absolutely incredible. He lies all the time. I shared last week that's all he does is lie. And there is deception going on all around us. And he wants you to believe everything that's not true. I put down everything bad in your life, every bad decision that you've made, it started with you believing a lie. Every bad decision, every sin that you've committed started with you believing a lie. Everyone, you ever believed a lie? Five years ago, my wife Jody and I and another couple went on this mission trip. We're just, I'm just a servant for the Lord, you know, sacrificing myself for the kingdom. And we went to this outer island. Um, you might know it as Hawaii. But anyway, so we go to Hawaii and, you know, I'm laboring for the Lord. Okay, it was, it was a vacation. But uh, anyway, so we, we, we went and we went on these cruises for our anniversary and it was amazing. But there was a day where I believed a lie in this, in this little vacation. Almost, almost killed me. I'm not kidding you. The devil put a thought in my head. You know what he said? Monty, deep sea fishing would be a great idea. Spend half your day deep sea fishing. 
Oh, yeah, I've never really done that before. Let's do that. Let's do that. So we, we orchestrated a whole half day around it. We get off the cruise ship, go to one of these islands that I can't pronounce, and we go there, and Captain Don was the outfit, and he set us up. Captain Don and his little sidekick, and then four of us are on this boat, and he takes us out, you guys. I mean, 10 miles at least off the island. And we're going, and we're going, and we're hitting waves, like, you know, 10-foot waves. And mile after mile, I turn a different shade of green. It was awesome. It's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Finally, we get out there. We finally get to fish. We finally get to have fun. And I, I, I realized, I guess I get, to feed the, I get to feed the fish, like chum in the water, if you know what I'm saying. It was unbelievable. I am hurling over the side of the boat. This I paid money for this, by the way. I'm hurling seven, eight times. Jody says I'm dramatic. I'm like, I'm over there. I'm like, oh, just dying. She's like, sweetie, you okay? Am I okay? Do I look okay? I am dying. I said, Jody, just pick me up. Throw me over the edge. I don't care. Pick me up. I would throw myself over, but I don't have the strength. Throw me over the edge. I'm a dead man. I want to meet Jesus today. Wanted to meet him so bad. I was that miserable. It was so bad. So I throw up seven, eight times. I think, oh, it's all out of me. It's all good. Well, it was all out of me there, but then I had another problem. And, it, and something wanted to happen in a different direction. I won't get too graphic with you, but this was horrible. You guys, you can't make this stuff up. So I'm on the boat with three of my, my wife and two good friends, small boat, and I'm like, no, and I'm just miserable. So I'm walking around the boat just like a zombie, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what, what am I going to do? So I look at Captain Don, or Captain Demon as I call him, and I'm like, I kind of, I start to stumble down the stairs because there's a little deck down underneath, and I start to stumble down there. He goes, where are you going? I said, I got to go to the bathroom. And he goes, there ain't no bathroom on the boat. I'm like, what? What kind of an outfit? What? There's no bathroom on the boat? He, I said, what am I supposed to do? He goes, there's a five-gallon bucket right over there. I said, you are the devil. What? I am not doing that there in front of, no. I don't care. So I made a pact with God. I said, God, this ain't happening. Either I, I don't care if I internally combust. I don't care. I'm not doing what he said to do. I don't care. So I literally curled up in the fetal position, and uh, I just kind of flopped over on a mat. And I kind of just went unconscious, I think, for a while, didn't I, Jody? I mean, eventually, I, it went away, too. Where did it go? I don't know, but whatever. So we get back to the island, and I'm like, and I, as soon as I got on solid ground, I felt pretty good. I'm like, okay, I'm getting my bearings. I'm like, plus we caught like six big tuna. I'm like, all right, we got our fish. And I'm like, all right, let's do this. And I said, we'll, we'll take the fish. And, he, and Captain Don's like, well, you, you have any place to put it? I'm like, what do you mean we have a place to put it? I said, no, we got off a cruise ship. I said, can't we... He goes, well, you need a place to put it. Normally, we just keep the fish. I said, wait a minute. So we went out there to fish and paid money, and you're, you keep, you're keeping the fish? Well, unless you got a place to put it. You know what I thought? Uh, Captain Don, bend over, and I'll show you where you can put it. That's what I thought. Um, but I'm like, you're kidding me. We spent all this. I, we didn't even get to eat the nothing. I mean, God, are you even there? So what was my point? Oh, yeah, believing the lie. Believing the lie. I believed a huge lie there. Almost killed me. That's how serious this is. So last week, I, 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 we learned that the battle, to win the battle within us, we have to have the Holy Spirit inside us. Now I say that, and some of you, I don't assume you know what that means. And if you don't, that's okay. My promise to you is by the end of our time here together, that you will know what that means. That, that you need Jesus Christ in you if you're going to have a chance at winning this battle. It was amazing. After the service last week, a woman from the church was talking to me out in the Welcome Center. And she's talking to me, and she has the Holy Spirit in her. She's committed her life to Christ here actually at Meadows, been baptized here, inviting people like crazy. God's doing amazing things through this family. And she comes up to me, and she says, this is hard. And I said, yeah, it is. 
She said, I, she goes, I am struggling so much right now in my mind. And you would think, okay, God must not work because she's doing all these great things for the kingdom, but yet, and we're preaching about how you can get better, but yet she walks out and talk, talks about how much she's struggling. And I would say, that's right where God wants her. And the reason I would tell you that is this. When you become a threat to the enemy, you're going to get attacked. Do you think she's a threat? Her family's coming. They've, they've invited numerous people that have given their lives to Christ. If anybody's going to have a target on their back, it would be her. And I know that's not what we want to hear. We want to hear how good it's going to be. Jesus doesn't promise easy. He promises abundant. He promises full. He promises purpose. It is not easy. She was a threat, and that's why she was getting attacked. And that's why this message is for her and for you. This is why you need to know this. Right? If you're not getting attacked in any way, if your life is easy today, if it's comfortable, you're probably not doing much for the kingdom of God. I'm just being honest. You're probably not living your God-given purpose. But when you're in the trenches, when you're in the fire, man, you will know it. You will know it. But yet Jesus would say, blessed are those who are persecuted for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So don't you give up. Okay, and I told her the same thing. Don't you give up. God has got a word. But the devil wants to control your mind. If he can control your mind, he'll control your thoughts and your actions, and then we're in trouble. And I'm telling you, if you're in Christ, you got a target, okay? And I'm going to show you how to, how to defend yourself against the enemy today. But there's a target. David, a great king in the Old Testament, David, this guy was, the Bible says he's a man after God's own heart. Okay, here's a man that loves the Lord. Yet, yet in 1 Chronicles 21.1, look at this scripture. David loves, loves God. 1 Chronicles 21.1, Satan rose up against Israel and incited, say incited, incited David to take a census of Israel. Do you know what the word incited actually means in the Hebrew? Neither do I. But I looked it up in a thesaurus, and actually a word for it in the English is like provoked or encouraged, okay? Hebrew I'm still working on, okay? Pray for me. But provoked or encouraged. So you might think, I don't get it. What is the big deal? David counted his troops. He took a census. That means you're counting the people. Understand how sly the devil is. The devil knows that David's a man after God's own heart, right? He already knows that. He knows David loves the Lord. He knows that he's not going to just say, hey, David, I'm going to give you an idea. Hurt your, hurt your troops. Kill your own troops. David ain't going to do that. He loves God. But Satan, what does he do? He gets him to put his, put his faith and his confidence in his number of people rather than the power of God. This is so sly that he does this. This is how he wants to work in your life. Guess what happened that day? 70,000 Israelites died because David put his, let, let the devil control his mind. Think about that. So Satan had his way. Something so subtle. Something that seems so crazy. This is what I, this is, I'm going to, we're, we're going to get equipped today. We're going after the devil today. I'm, we're going to say this battle plan, and by the way, that is the title of today's message, the battle plan. You might be thinking, well, who's this battle plan for? I'm telling you, it's straight up for you. Anybody battling in your head. Anybody battling bondage of fear. Bondage of depression anxiety, anybody controlled by your habits, right? Uh, a slave to your sin. We've talked about that before. You're sinning and you can't stop. This is for you. 
right? You, you can't escape the thoughts in your mind. This is for you. See, God has a plan for you today. God brought you in here today because he's not, listen to me, he not only has a word for you, God wants to do something supernatural in and through you today. He does. I really hope you believe it because he does. It's why you're here. If you brought a Bible or a mobile device with the, with the Bible, go to Luke 9. And I'm going to give you a couple scriptures in Luke 9 and then some in Luke 10. But go to Luke 9, and I'm going to, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. And we'll put it up on the screen as well if you don't have that. But check this out. So this is one of the Gospels. The Gospel literally means good news. The story of Jesus Christ. This is, this is Luke 9, chapter or verse 1. One day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples... Okay, Jesus has been doing his ministry for a while. Jesus has been curing people, doing miracles. Now Jesus is calling the 12 together, and he's going to equip them. He's going to have them start to do his work. So Jesus calls the 12 disciples together, and, he, and gave them power, say power, and authority. Say authority. Power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. I love that. It's, it's more than just healing you in the physical sense. You need to know who your spiritual healer is. We're way beyond this world. This world is not all there is. So Jesus sends him out to do his bidding, to do his work. Absolutely incredible. Jesus is showing you leadership here. He's equipping people to do the ministry. Okay? That sets the tone. Now let's go to Luke 10, the next chapter. And I'm going to read you verses 1 through 3. Before I do that, though, let me tell you the main point. Because this leads perfectly to it. God will never lead you to where his power can enable you, okay? God will never put you in a place in your life or in your marriage or in your kids or in your profession. He'll never lead you to a place where his power can't enable you. If you're, if you're in a position, God has allowed you to get there, but there's a way out. There's a way through. Not by your strength, but by God's strength. God will never lead you where his power can't enable you. Luke 10, verse 1. The Lord, Jesus, is upping the ante now. He's building his army. We're going from 12 to 72. Now the Lord chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead of him two by two. So they went one by one, even two by two. Everybody, Sorry, the spirit of Rihanna was up in here for a second. So one by one, no, two by two, to all the towns and places he planned to visit. 72 people going out. These were Jesus' instructions to them. He said, the harvest is great, you guys and girls. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord. So weird that he would say that. He is the Lord, okay? So I don't get it, Jesus. Like, you're right here. Let me just talk to you. No, no, no. Jesus says, pray to the Lord. I'm teaching you something to do when I'm not with you. Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, and ask him to send more workers into the field. i got to pause for a second and tell you that I, when I read this this week and was preparing to deliver the word to you, um, I thought about our church, and I thought about what God is doing just in Meadows in, I mean, what, 15 months, 16 months? It, it, we recently went from one to two services. You know that. And look what God is doing. It's absolutely incredible what God is doing as we position ourselves for more growth to reach more people. Jesus said the harvest is great. The harvest outside these walls is great. I need you to know that. It is so great. People aren't, people aren't getting the teaching that you're getting. They're not getting the word that you're getting. They're not understanding the spiritual battle that they're in. And they're dying right where they're at, emotionally, spiritually, physically. The harvest is so, so great in our city. But the workers are few. 
I, I talk to our leadership team all the time, and I tell them, you guys, I know it's, because it, it can be stressful. You know, I know hopefully things look good on, on, from a guest point of view, but, you know, on the back end, we're doing a lot to put things together in our church to make sure the experience is incredible for God and for you so his word goes forth. But I think about this, and I pray every week, God, send your workers in. Send more dream team members, we would call them, these servants that, 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 that worship, that do host team, guest services, kids ministry, safety, prayer team, all these areas, parking lot. They're doing all these things, and I'm like, God, I, you know we went one to two. It's, it's, it's a stressor. I just share that with you to, to cast vision for you. And maybe you've been coming for a while, or maybe you're brand new. But I'm telling you, we pray for God to send workers into the field. Maybe you're not even part of a dream team yet. Man, today's your day. Just write it on your, on your Connect Card dream team. doesn't commit you to anything. We'll just contact you. But I'm telling you, I read that, and it's like God spoke to me. Monty, keep praying, keep praying. God is doing amazing things. And for all you that are on, are, are on dream teams, thank you so much for the way that you serve God's church and serve his people. Lives are being changed. It is absolutely incredible. So back to the teaching. Uh, then Jesus said, now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. As lambs among wolves. So they go out. The 72 go out. Let's pick it up some verses later in verse 17. Check, check it out what they say. It says, the 72 disciples returned. They joyfully reported to Jesus, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. And Jesus said, duh. No, he didn't say that. That's probably what I would say. Um, but it was like, yes. And I wonder how they realized that. How did, the, how did the 72 figure that out? I mean, I kind of envision it. They're like witnessing to somebody, telling them about the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, some demon comes up behind them, scares them. They're like, Jesus! Oh, yeah, Jesus. And they take off, and they realize there's power in the name of Jesus. See, you need to understand the power in the name of Jesus. Say power. You're going to hear a lot about that word. Say Authority. You're going to hear a lot about that word. I have given you power and authority. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 18. He says, yes. Yes, he told them. He says, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. When he first fell from heaven as an angel to go to the dark place, to the, as a demon now, as the chief demon. I saw him fall like lightning. Look, I have given you authority. Listen to what Jesus is telling them. I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Now you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them, and nothing will injure you. Now some of you just heard snakes, and you kind of just, I lost you there, because you're freaking out right now. You're thinking, I'd rather, I'd, rather, I'd rather come across a demon than a snake. Well, if that's what you're thinking, you're in good luck, right? Because Jesus wasn't even talking about snakes. That, that, is, a, that is a symbolism that Jesus is using. He's talking about the demons. He's talking about the devil. He's talking about evil spirits, not snakes and scorpions in the physical sense. How did, how did the devil come to Eve? As a snake, as a serpent. That's what Jesus is talking about. This is the power. And I love what he says. The, the power to crush them. I just love that word. It's so powerful. Man, we, we get in our heads sometimes, and we, and we do talk about the power of the devil. And is the devil powerful? Yes, he is. But Jesus Christ is all-powerful. See, there's a big, big difference. Big difference. And we need to get under, under that power. We need to get under that umbrella. It's absolutely crucial that we do. Jesus gave his disciples power and authority. You've been given power. You've been given authority. To fight and win the spiritual battle in your mind. What, do you, what is even authority? I put it in your notes. It's literally the right to rule. You've been given the right. You've been, given, you've been put in a position to rule. 
right? Say that, let's pretend I'm a cop. Now, I know that's a stretch, but just let's do it for the fun of the illustration. I'm a cop, and I am directing traffic, right? Say there's a big pothole. Again, I know this is a stretch, and you don't really have that, but actually, I hit a pothole so hard the other day, almost, almost, almost shut my tooth, I think. It was unbelievable. It's like I thought I hit a building. Um, but so there's a pothole, and this cop is directing traffic around the pothole. So how is the cop doing that? Because he has the right to do that, right? He's been given the authority to do that through, through the city, through his swearing in, through his schooling. He has authority to direct traffic around that pothole. He's been given authority. You have to. Look at Ephesians 2.6, just so you understand the context. Um, for, check this out. For he raised us from the dead. This, this is people that are in Christ. This is somebody who has given their life to Jesus, and now the Holy Spirit lives in them. For, for he has raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus Christ. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are literally seated with Christ in heavenly places. You are put in a position of authority. Not, not when you go to heaven. Now. Heaven comes to earth when you give your life to Christ. This is what I'm talking about. That's authority. So power, if authority is the right to rule, then power must be the ability. Right? The ability to rule. I have the ability. I have the strength. Let's go back to the cop illustration. The pothole, right? So if I'm standing there as a cop and I have the authority to do this and tell these guys to go around, what if, what if there's somebody coming at me and they're not watching, right? They're not looking at me. They don't see my authority. Say they're texting and driving. Oh, now I know none of us would ever do that. I'm talking about some heathen that would do that, right? Never done. So they're coming at us or they're coming at me. Now, do I, I have the authority to, to, to direct them, but, but I don't have the power. In other words, if they don't see me and they hit me, well, I'm in trouble, okay? I'm in trouble. So, so I have the authority, but I don't have the power. Now, if I were to take, if me and some other police officers take a huge concrete slab and set it on top of that pothole, okay, now that concrete slab, that has the power. Man, he or she hits that, they're going to know it. They're going to shit more than a tooth. They're going to know it, right? So, but, but, but that doesn't have authority, it just has power. You understand what I'm saying? I, I'm telling you that you have both the power and authority to, 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 walk, to do the will of God. The power because of your position in Christ, right? Or the, the authority because of your position in Christ, and the power because of your strength in Christ. There's nothing that I, I, I mean, I, 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 I cringe when I hear a, a follower of Jesus say, oh, I'm just so weak. I'm just so weak in my faith. That doesn't really make sense if you're a Christian. You sh I'm just a weak Christian. No, you're not. Stop believing that. That, is, that, it doesn't, that doesn't even make sense. If you feel weak, it's only because you're not harnessing the life-giving power of Christ that is in you. So it's time that we start to own the promise where Jesus says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's what he says. You have the strength. You have the power. God's not, again, what's our main point? God is not going to bring you to a place where he won't, his power won't enable you to get through it. He won't. What is the great commission? Gosh, I don't even know if I had that in my notes. I hope I do because you got to hear it. If, it's, if I have it in the screen, show it. Matthew 28, 18 and 19. This is right before Jesus left the earth and rose up to heaven. Listen again what he's trying to get across to his believers. Jesus says, he tells the disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Then he says, go, 
Go. Do you think Jesus is going to tell you to go do his bidding and not give you his power and authority to do it? That doesn't make sense. I have been given, I have been given all authority. Go. Jesus didn't say, no, I'm going to go. Now I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go create disciples. I'm going to go baptize them. Jesus didn't say that. He says, you go. You tell them about me. You baptize them in my name. And watch what I do in and through you. That's what Jesus is saying. You have the authority. God will never lead you where his power can't enable you. Many of us have heard the story of David and Goliath. I talked about David earlier, King David. Before David was king, he was just a little shepherd boy just doing his little shepherd duties. His brothers were in the Israelite army. Many others were in the Israelite army. And there was a day when, when the Philistines, the Philistines were like the arch enemy of the Israelites. And the chief, one of the chief Philistines at the time was Goliath, this juggernaut of a guy over nine feet tall. And he would come out and harass the Israelite army, calling them names, mocking their God, challenging anybody to step up and, and, and bring it on. He had like all these weapons. They said the, just the tip of his spear that he carried, 15 pounds. I, think about that. This guy was, he was amazing. And you know what, you know when David went, so David got sent to the front lines to feed his brothers and some others some meat and cheese. You can read about it. But he brings them this food. And, he's, and, and, and the Israelites, you know what the Israelites are saying? We can't, we can't fight David. We don't, or we can't fight Goliath. We don't have the strength. And they were scared of David, or they were scared of Goliath. So David says something crazy. Check this out. This is 1 Samuel. It's funny because I'm reading this right now. I'm reading through the entire Bible. I try to just continually do that. So I'm actually at this point this week when I'm reading David and Goliath. So it says, the Israelites said, we can't fight him. They literally said, we can't fight him. No, 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 you're right, you can't. But God in you can. That's the difference. You're right, Israelites. You have no chance against Goliath. But what does David do? This shepherd boy who's not even in the army, not even in their army, what does he say? 1 Samuel 17, 45. David speaks to Goliath directly. You come at me with a sword? You come at me with a, a spear, with a javelin? Are you kidding me? But I have come at you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. That's what I've come. The God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. This very day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. How does he do that? The Israelites, their problem was they were relying on their strength to defeat Goliath. David, relying on God's strength. And guess what David did? He took down a giant. And guess what? Your pastor learned something this week. It's, it, I, and this is kind of embarrassing to even tell you that I didn't know this, but I'm going to tell you. We, we believe it's okay to be real, but do you know how David took out Goliath? A slingshot and a stone, right? I mean, how did David kill Goliath? Well, we all know the story. He took rocks, you know, gathered them, five smooth stones, I think it said, put one in the slingshot and zinged it right at the giant, dropped him like a rock. But that's wrong. That's wrong. I know, I'm blowing your mind right now. Just settle down. That is not right. Okay, that happened. Don't get me wrong. That happened. That happened, but that's not how he killed him. I'm like, I just, God blew me away. Like, the rock... The rock took him down. But look what it says. This hit me for the first time. I'm embarrassed to tell you. 1 Samuel 17, 51. David takes him down, and it says, Then David ran over, pulled out Goliath's sword from the sheath, and used it to kill him. Isn't that interesting? I always thought he was dead with a stone. He wasn't. David ran over, killed the dude with his own sword, and then he chopped off his head. 
See, they don't ever tell you the kids that when they're telling the story of David and Goliath. Well, little Billy, I'm going to tell you all about David and Goliath. Oh, and by the way, Billy, at the end, he chopped his head clean off. Good night, Billy. Have a good night. You know, you know we don't hear that. I'm like, I, I missed that part. So, but that's how he killed him. Stone took him down. Sword took him out. I like it. I learned. Thank you, God, for teaching us. It's crazy. All right, we want to get to the battle plan. What, what, what I've tried to do so far is to help you understand your power and authority. See, before you can go into battle, you have to believe you can win the battle. You've got to believe, and plus you've already won the battle, by the way, but we'll get to that. So you need to understand the power and authority that's been given to you. Most Christians do not understand this. They don't. I'll be honest with you, for most of my Christian life even, I didn't get it until I started to study the scripture, these scriptures I'm giving you. So check this out, the battle plan. I'm going to give you, I'll give you the, the main scripture. You've got a lot of them, but the bro, one of the brothers of Jesus is James, okay? James wrote a book in the Bible called James, go figure. In James 4, 7, he says this, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's it. So the whole goal, if we, want to, if we want to stop believing the lies, if we want to fight the spiritual battle, the evil armies, the, the principalities, it literally says, submit to God. Resist the devil. I mean, if the devil's fleeing, that, I mean, that's pretty good. He's not going to be lying to you. He's gone. He's not omnipresent like God. He can't be in all places all the time like God. Remember, he's not. He's not like that. Devil don't work that way. He can only be in one place at one time and his demons. And if he's fleeing and his demons are fleeing, you don't have to worry about it. So if we submit to God... Resist the devil, he will flee from you. See, we want some big equation, some fancy answer. You don't need that. You need James 4, 7 is what you need. Submit, then what do you mean, pastor, submit? Well, submit is actually a military term. To put, it means to put in proper rank, okay? If you're, if you're a military background, you know about rank, okay? You don't want to get out of rank. If a, if a private starts talking back to a general, well, it's not going to be a good day for the private, okay? It's going to be a bad day. Because you're missing something about submission. And there's a rank and there's a file. And when you submit, you're understanding something. Casey, come up here for a second. I'll show you an illustration real quick. Because I think in our head, we think the battle, we think the battle in our head between good and evil is like this, this continuum like this. Let's show them with our illustration. We're pretty creative around here at Meadows, aren't we? Um, this, um, let's pretend this is the, the evil battle that we're facing, okay? These balls here. So, so this, is, this is the devil, and this is God. Now, when we fight in our heads and in ourselves, and, and we struggle throughout the day in our minds, in our mental state, it's always back and forth. This is how it was for me growing up. I'm like, oh, I want to get closer to God, so I try to do these good things. I'm reading the Bible. I'm trying to love people, um, but it's hard, and I, I'm sinning, so then I go backwards, and then the devil's winning, and it's this back and forth, just exhausting struggle, never getting anywhere. But this isn't what submission is. This isn't even the right model for what we're talking about here between God and the devil. This is the right model right here. So submission is this. This is God, and this is you. Remember? You're with God. You're with Christ in heavenly places, right? You have been positioned with God. Now, uh, I put you a little bit low, so I know how, what some of you people do, but, um, and me too. So, but we're right here, okay? The devil's down here. Never forget that. Here's the key. The devil can't move from this position. He can't physically do it. Why? He's already been defeated. That's what the cross of Calvary was all about. So the only way the devil can elevate himself up here is by telling you lies. 
and making you believe that he's here or here or even here where he wanted to be. That's what he does. This is the pecking order. You're here with heavenly places in Christ up here. The reason when you start to struggle and you put yourself down here, you're believing the lies of the enemy. He's bringing you down to a place. You submit under Christ, but never forget where the devil is. He's underneath your feet. That's what the Bible says. You don't have to defeat the devil. Stop thinking that. Christ has already done that. All you need to do is believe it, receive it, and act accordingly. Come on. Act accordingly. This is the submission process. This is what you do. This is who you are in Christ. This is a big, big deal. Thanks, Casey. You did a great job. Amazing. Give it up for Casey. Um, so, so with all that said, Pastor, what do I do then? What is the battle plan? What do you mean submit? So what I'm going to give you today is prayer. And you might say, you're kidding me. We've talked about the battle plan, and we've talked about this, this, this demonic forces, and we've talked about all this crazy stuff going on, and you're telling me pray. That's exactly what I'm telling you. That is exactly what I'm telling you. I, I don't know how to say it. Um, let's go back to Luke 10 for a second. You don't need to show it, but I'll tell you. Remember what Jesus said? Pray. Pray to the Lord. The Lord is speaking to them, and the Lord is saying, pray to the Lord. It, it, we miss it. Prayer is so powerful when you understand where the power comes from. When you understand your authority in Christ and that you have the power to go directly to God through his son Jesus and pray. And something supernatural happens. But this is what I find. People, we, this is what I think we're guilty of sometimes, especially in the Western world. Like, like we want to put something physical to it. I want to put something psychological to it. I want to see it. I want to see the test results. I want to see the x-rays. I, I need to see something. And we, and we miss it. And then when the x-rays don't show something, and then when the medication isn't working, and then when we can't see it tangibly, you know what we do? We throw our arms up. And we say, well, I can't pinpoint it. Guess all we can do is pray. Really? All you can do is pray. That's wrong thinking, and that's part of the problem. We're not believing in the power of God in us. When we say things like that, the power of prayer, when you believe it and you have the faith in what you're praying, is huge. It is absolutely huge. Well, all we can do is pray. You don't know. Why did Jesus say, seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness? Seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness. Why does he say that? Because prayer isn't some last resort. Prayer in our, you and I's lives should be a first response. Always should be a first response. You go to God and you go to the devil too with it. I'll show you this. Devil, devil can hear you. He hears you. That's why I tell you, when you pray the prayer I'm going to give you, pray it out loud. You're talking to him as much as you're talking to your father. We are in a battle. The battle's been won, but know that until God does call us home, we, we're in the trenches, fighting for the kingdom, fighting for our God, fighting for our brothers and sisters who are dying emotionally, mentally, and physically. So I put a prayer. It's just, it's a prayer of submission. God says, submit. Submit to me. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. So I think, okay, maybe we should just do what God says and submit. It's a prayer of submission. This is a prayer that's in your notes, and we're going to put it on the screen, and we're going to read it together in about 45 seconds. This prayer um, is powerful if you believe what you're saying and you believe the power that's in you. This is the prayer that you should pray every morning. This is the prayer that you might find yourself praying 45 times a day, to be honest with you. When your head is lying to you, 
when you're in your depression, when you're in your funk, when things aren't going the way that you think they should be going in areas of your life, you pray this prayer. You pray it over and over and over, and you believe it. I'll just, I'll just be vulnerable. Um, geez. Last night, so my wife Jody had a work function, so she was doing things with some coworkers. Ava had a uh, a party, some birthday party. She was at a friend's house, and Jake and I. Jake's my 11 year old son, and we're home. And I don't, I don't remember. How I told that girl last week. Gosh, you're you're a threat to the enemy. You know, that's why you're feeling this. Well, sometimes your pastor even forgets things like that. So I'm preparing, you know, and I'm getting ready for today, and I'm psyched up about it. And all of a sudden, this feeling of sadness. I mean, I don't know how to describe it. I don't get this a lot. I've described to you a couple times when I've got it. It happened last night. So I'm with Jake and I'm on the couch and I am just struggling. So I'm like, Jake, we need to go do something. You know, this isn't, I, I just, I'm like, hey, let's go. We'll go out to eat, uh, get a bite to eat, and then we'll have a little date night. And I'm in the car driving and I'm like, hey, Jake, where do you want to go to eat? Gosh, he said Burger King and I, everything in me cringed. But you know what? It's, it's for him. So we, we did it. And I, I'm driving and I, I kid you not. I have the sun, it's sunny out, I have my sunglasses on and tears are streaming down my face. And, I, and I, I'm not sure why. I mean, there wasn't, and it, and it was so, and so I'm kind of like trying to hide it, you know, he's in the back and he's talking to me and he can hear my voice is different, you know, just, I mean, tears are streaming down my face and I'm doing this and, and he goes, dad, are you okay? And I'm not gonna, I said, Jake, God, dad's really struggling right now. I said, I don't know what's going on. And he said, dad, are you gonna pray? And it's funny, he says that, and then I remember what we're talking about today. And I wrote the prayer of submission for you, but then are we not going to put it into practice? So I start praying this prayer over and over, out loud, not too loud. I mean, there's people driving by me. They might call me into the cops, but I'm praying the prayer. And guess what happened? Guess what changed? Nothing immediately. It didn't. We got to Burger King. We ordered some food, and, I, and I'm struggling. And, I, you know, we're talking and stuff, but deep down, I'm struggling praying the prayer, praying the prayer. We get out of Burger King and we're going to go miniature golfing and I don't, I can't tell you the time, like all of a sudden I stepped through some portal and I was all better. It wasn't like that, but something changed. Like all of a sudden we're laughing and having fun and I forgot about the sadness that I was feeling for, I don't even know why it was, I don't know. That's, that's the mentally messed up thing in my head. I don't know why I was, why I felt so, so sad in that moment. I have so much to be grateful for. Why am I sad? So I pray this prayer and it changed. It didn't happen immediately, but it happened. Can you put the prayer up if it's not already? I want to pray this prayer with you out loud together as a family and then close out the message. So let's pray the daily prayer first of all. Father, I surrender every area of my life to you. I give you control of my heart my soul, my mind, my body. Protect me from the lies of the enemy and fill me with your spirit so I can walk in your strength and truth. May your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it. That's it. Some of you maybe have never even prayed a prayer like that of surrendering it all to God, submitting. Notice you're saying it out loud so the devil hears you. Notice you're specifically talking about the devil in there protect me from the lies of the enemy because those that's all you need protection from is just lies he can't hurt you the lies are what hurt you 
So pray that prayer over and over. If you've never prayed a prayer like that before, maybe you've never called on the name of the Lord and you're not in Christ and you've never really surrendered your life to Christ. This is your day. You've just prayed the prayer. If you believe in Jesus Christ, that he, that he went on the cross or that he died on the cross and that he rose from the dead, the Bible says you're saved and you have that power and authority in you. If, you're, if you haven't done that and you haven't called the name of the Lord, there is, you don't have that power and authority. You want Jesus in you. That's what it's all about. So, so, but if you've never done that, you've done that, or you're recommitting, man, mark that, record that. Let us walk with you. Let us pray with you. But this prayer is powerful. And I kept, I kept praying this prayer over and over with Jake. And I kept saying it over and over. I'm like in my head and out loud. And God started to do something. But I realized well, before I prayed that prayer with Jake, you know what I kept thinking about? All the screw-ups I've done as a dad and a husband. The devil condemns. And I'm thinking about my sin. And the devil kept saying, Monty, look at your sin. 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 But all of a sudden, I pray the prayer. And all of a sudden, it's like the Lord says, no, 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 Monty. Don't look at your sin. Look at my son. Look at my son. Look at my son. Look at my son. That's what he says. Look at my son on the cross. Look at the tomb. It's empty. My king is risen. You're not a victim. You're a victor. Rise up. Buck up. Pray the prayer with authority and power that I've given you. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. If you struggle with mental illness, gosh, you may never get over it this side of heaven. But here's a promise from God. What is not healed on earth will be healed in heaven. That's a promise. And you need to know it. Revelation 21.4. Listen to this. He will wipe away every tear from your eyes. All the ones that float down your cheek when you don't even understand why they're floating down your cheek. He wipes them away. There's no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. All these things are gone forever. In the end, God wins. In the end, God defeats illness. In the end, God defeats sadness. God defeats tragedy. God defeats depression. God defeats anxiety. God defeats it. God wins. And if you're in Christ, that means you win. Which is why we'll never stop saying the best is yet to come. Come on, God, you have your way. And I thought, what better way to end this than giving you promises of God, truth. You don't want my opinion. Okay, that'll land you in jail. I told you that before. You want God's truth. Set you free. If you're in Christ, that means you've called on the name of the Lord. You believe in Jesus Christ, that he's God's son, that he died for you and rose for you. There are promises that you need to own. The devil's a liar. That's all he does. All God does is love. All God does is tell you the truth. All God does is forgive. Here are promises of God that you need to know. In Christ, you're accepted. You are God's child. You've been bought with a price. You are a member of Christ's body. You have direct access to God. You are a saint. I bet some of you have never been told that before, have you? Saint? Saint Monty. It's a stretch, but I like it. A saint. You are a saint. You have been redeemed. You have been forgiven. You are free of condemnation. No more looking at your sin. You're looking at the sun. You are the salt and light of the earth. You have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. You are a personal witness and ambassador of Christ. You can approach God with freedom and confidence. You are God's temple. You are God's masterpiece. 
You are a citizen of heaven. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Say, I have authority. You are, you have not been given a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and sound mind. Say, I have power. You have power, which means you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Give God some praise up in this place. Do you believe it, somebody? I believe it. Devil, I closed the book on you. It was closed at Calvary on the cross in the grave. Now the children of God need to own it. You have power and authority to trample on, trample on the devil and the demons. Don't believe the lies, believe the truth. You've been given a weapon, and one of the most powerful weapons you be, can be given, that prayer of submission, own it. Pray it. And if you, maybe you don't have the notes on you, grab some notes on the way out, the prayer is on there. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for your truth. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the series that you gave our church. God, we're going to acknowledge we're mentally messed up. But through your tools, your truth, and your word, and your love, we can persevere. We can, we're not just going to get through. We're going to come out victorious. In fact, we already have. We just need to walk in that victory through owning your power, through owning your authority. God, I pray for everybody in this place that they feel your purpose, your presence, and your power in them. For people that are going to, they, maybe they prayed that prayer for the first, the surrender. They're surrendering their life to you, their will to you, their body, their soul, their spirit, their strength to you. God, let them tell us about it. Let, let, let them pray with us. Let them know that they are loved by the King of King and Lord of Lords. God, have your way in this place today. Draw your children in. And for the man, woman, or child out there that is still in the hurt, still in the throes, still in the struggle, let them own your truth today. You love them. You created them. And you have, a, you have an incredible plan and purpose for their life. God, thank you for your beautiful word. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for the incredible sacrifice, the death and resurrection, the victory that we have in you, God. We'll never stop saying it. The best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says, amen.